Thank you for tuning in to Morning Moments with Pastor Bruce Goddard from Faith Baptist Church. We pray that this is a blessing to you. Well, it's great to know the Lord. It's great to have his book around. I was going to say great to know his book, but getting to know his book, 45 years or so, reading this book every day. And um, I'm just I'm just more at awe in it, um, more questioning in my own lack of knowledge. I think, how could I have missed these wonderful truths? And it's a great book, nothing like it. Great faith. This Christian life is the best life there could possibly be. And I want to encourage you, uh, give your heart and all to Christ. If you're not sure that you're saved and going to heaven, get that settled. Um, you have no life, uh, no guarantee of tomorrow, no promise of life. We have the moment, and not not a moment longer. And uh, I, w- I would urge you, uh, if you don't know for sure you're saved, talk to somebody who could help you. <clears throat> you're welcome to call someone here at our church office, talk to me or someone else. But there's there's no life like the Christian life, but you must be born again. I'm not talking about joining a church, not talking about getting religion. I've heard recently a uh, uh, comments made on several occasions. Some celebrity person, they said, I gave my life to Jesus or I gave my life to Christ. And I think that's not salvation. What, what are you going to take your old rotten, sinful, <clears throat> wretched life, uh, dead in trespasses and sin and offer it to God as some kind of a sacrifice to earn forgiveness? No, you come to God, a rotten old sinner and say, I need a savior. And that's how you get saved. Uh, the terminology is wrong. Their their intent may be right, but their terminology is wrong. They're hanging around the wrong people. And use Bible terms: born again, saved, to trust Christ, put your faith in Christ. <clears throat> Those are Bible terms, and um, you don't get saved by by um, getting religion or giving your life to God. Or <clears throat> excuse me, you don't get saved by by uh, some uh, experience. You get saved by knowing you're a sinner in need of a savior and asking the Lord Jesus to save you. Come, I came to Christ. What in the world does that mean? I came to Christ. Now, you came to the knowledge that he's a savior and you're a sinner, that he died for you, that you are a sinner needing the savior. And and you came to him and gained the knowledge so that you now put your faith in Christ. Now you're talking salvation. And I know it might be <clears throat> picky, but you know what? Doctrinal corruption and error, uh, it starts somewhere. And uh, often it starts with a big shot talking about stuff they got no business talking about. Uh, some of these uh, conservative people on the radio or podcasts that you that you and I listen to them. I'm not against it, but um, you can get to get your news from them. Don't get your theology from them. Say, oh, you know what? I think that guy in this podcast. I think he might be saved. Well, if you think he might be, then don't don't plan on the fact that he is, because you know who's saved. Uh, if you're not sure they're saved, then better wait on them. And even if they are for sure saved, don't get your theology from them. There was a time, oh, back in the 70s, that it was a big thing. You know, some football player gets saved, and he knows how to play football, and he might be a good athlete, a lot of self-discipline, bodybuilding, whatever, and he gets saved, and the people have him come speak at their church. Well, he has no business being in the pulpit. He doesn't know Bible. He doesn't know doctrine. He, he could stand up and share a testimony. I once was lost, now I'm found. But beyond that, but they'd bring, now I hear people using um, internet celebrities that talk a little bit about the Bible and, 
in putting them in their pulpits. And I think, what are you thinking? I mean, giving these people an hour on Sunday morning, look, those folks came to church to, to get hope of hope, the hope of the, of the Savior, to get the promises from the Word, to get comfort from the Holy Spirit. Uh, we don't need politicians that, that uh, can't even get their Bible straight. Uh, speaking to our, our churches are a sacred place. That pulpit is a very important place. Um, I'll give politicians a few minutes just to introduce them to our congregation, let people know who they are. Uh, election time comes. I'm, I don't mind having politicians come in just to say, I'm uh, Joe Smith. I'm running for dog catcher. I don't mind that. And uh, give people a chance to ask them a question or two after the service. I'm not against that in the least, but I'm very much against giving Joe Smith the dog catcher Sunday morning when there's people coming in there whose hearts are broken, burying their mom, uh, burying their husband that week. And and maybe a child's gone astray and their heart's breaking, laid off, and they need hope. They don't know how they're going to pay the bills. And uh, this uh, the government's messed up the economy and the prices are going up and the cash is going down. And, and boy, somebody better be able to point them with the power of God to the uh, hope and the comfort of the Spirit of God. But anyway, that's not the subject today. Uh, I want to talk over in Psalm chapter 41. Psalm 41, verse 9. It's prophetically <clears throat> pointing to Jesus and the and and Judas and Jesus um, through David in in a prophetic manner uh, the Lord speaks through David yea mine own familiar friend in whom I trusted which did eat of my bread <clears throat> hath lifted up his heel against me he hath lifted up his heel against me <clears throat> I heard a <clears throat> I heard a sermon um Lester Roloff preached, and uh, he was talking about the tests that you go through in life, and and um, I'm gonna I'm gonna study this out and maybe take some time to preach on it. But the the testing of the Christian life goes on and on until you meet the Lord personally, and uh, those tests and trials <clears throat> they're not <clears throat> you don't stay in kindergarten. You grow in grace, you grow in faith, and uh, the, the trials get bigger. And the tests get bigger. And I think back about the the trials I faced 40 years ago, just starting the church. I, I'm thinking I'm I might be willing to go back there and face and not not that they weren't trials, but they're not like the ones I face today. And they remember Abraham was already a hundred years old. It came to pass after these things the Lord did tempt Abraham. Um, God God put Abraham to a very very difficult test in bringing his son Isaac up there on Mount Moriah to offer him as a sacrifice. And uh, that was the worst test of his life. I was, he was 100 years old. And so the tests get bigger. Well, Brother Roloff made the comment, and, and if you get a chance to hear Lester Roloff, he's just a great guy. He he died around the time I started the church, if I remember right. But um, he had homes in down in Corpus Christi, Texas, boys' homes, girls' homes, expectant um, young mothers' homes. He drug and alcohol, and he had a home for uh, alcoholic Indians off the reservations to give them a chance to sober up and work on a working ranch. And um, but he mentioned that if you travel far enough down the, the road of the Christian life, you will meet the test of a Judas. And uh, I never really thought about it. I may develop this into a message someday, but uh, just I, I just scribbled a couple of notes. Somehow he made that comment went on, and I I scribbled these notes down, thinking I'd throw share them this morning. Um, so David <clears throat> talked in Psalm 41. <clears throat> Excuse me, my voice is a mess this morning. <clears throat> he said, 
yea, my own familiar friend. That's somebody familiar, close to him, in whom I trusted, a trustworthy familiar friend, which did eat of my bread. They'd spent a lot of time together. He hath lifted up his heel against me. Uh, just one of the tragedies of life when one you trust betrays you, uh, when one you love uh, tries to hurt you. And I mean, obviously, I've been married 41 years and I've hurt my wife. I don't think I've hurt her intentionally. I don't. I can't think of a time I did something that I, I with malice in my heart. But uh, there's no question. I've said some things that were thoughtless, and and uh, and sometimes I did think about it. It wasn't thoughtless. I just wasn't thinking right. And um, maybe my actions, the way I handled something, hurt her, or my children, or folks in our church. Uh, I don't want to hurt anybody. I never. I I just uh, don't want to hurt people. I never did it intentionally. But this guy in Psalm 41.9, he lifted up his heel against He went to hurt him on purpose, like you go to stomp on something. Well, over in John chapter 13, verse 26, um, Jesus at the, the Last Supper, we call it, the disciples are gathered around. He explained when he was going to betray me, and they said, who is it, Lord? So in verse 26 of John 13, he said, he it is to whom I shall give a sop, like we have a, a beef dip, you know, bread dipped in the juice, to whom I give a sop. When I've dipped it, and when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest, do quickly. I want to just give you four quick thoughts on, uh, on Judas. And perhaps you have a Judas in your life. Perhaps you had or you will have a Judas in your life. Um, just a couple of quick thoughts. You're going to find Judas on the inside. There's some enemies outside. There's the um, Pharaoh that was on the outside in Moses' life. But there's Miriam and Aaron on the inside. And then uh, there was Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. They were on the inside. These were, these were leaders. These were people that helped uh, get the work of God done. Uh, Aaron and Miriam, Moses' brother and sister. And uh, yet they rose up against him simply because of who he married and uh, what business is it of theirs? And, and yet we're so critical. And humanity uh, is just, uh, I don't again, John 3, 16 is an amazing verse. But you'll find Judas inside. It might be your child that hurt you worse, more than anybody else ever hurt you, your spouse or a parent. Um, there's going to be a Judas in your life now or someday. Um, you'll find him on the inside. Number two, you'll find Judas in a position of esteem that... Um, oh, I think of President Trump and some of the people he put in office. And I, as soon as he got elected, I started praying. In fact, I think before he was elected, but I was praying, God, give him the right counselors. Give him the right people to advise him because we, we can't know it all. <clears throat> and we, with all sincerity, you may do your very best, um, but you need to get advice from people. There are things, <clears throat> even... Uh, Oh, just recently, uh, I was able to get a new truck, not a brand new truck. That's can't, can't imagine getting a brand new truck these days. It's three years old, but it's beautiful. It's new to me and only had a, a 13 or 14,000 miles on it. I don't know who has a vehicle for three to four years. A three-year-old truck could be four years old, depending on when they bought it, but it only drives 13,000 miles. I don't know if it was a dealer truck or somebody parked it in their garage and decided they didn't like Chevys. I have no idea, but... but um, uh, getting that, uh, I was shopping around trying to decide what to get, and um, and there was a, 
again, I was looking for cars, not, not too many miles and not too many years. And, and uh, there's one that had a V6 engine, a Ford that had a, sorry for cursing on, on the online like this, but it was a Ford and, um, it had two turbochargers in it. <clears throat> so I, I called one of our good men in our church and I said, Hey, I got a question about this. And he said, well, it's got 80,000 miles on it. And he said, turbos, if you took care of them, they'll be fine. But he said, if they beat it up and really hammered it a lot and drove it hard, those turbos might be ready, getting ready to be replaced. <clears throat> and you could spend up to $3,000 each on those things. Well, that changed the whole world. And um, he said, you might be, you know, a new one would be safe or an older one that was cared for, or you just plan on replacing it. But I, I'm for advice. And and uh, and I, I talked to the men or the ladies in our church about everything imaginable. And uh, and I prayed for President Trump. God, give him good advisors. And as most of us are aware, he had some people on the inside that were not, they, they were not only not, I mean, if he'd have asked me to come advise him, I could have given him advice, might not have been right, but I'd have been for him. I'd have been trying to give him the right advice. But he had people on the inside of his cabinet who like that Psalm 41, 9, they lifted up their heel against him. They were there to hurt his cause. They didn't believe what he believed. They didn't want him there. They didn't want anybody draining the swamp. Uh, they, But but we, we, we end up with advisors. And so, number one, you'll find him on the inside. Number two, you'll find him in a position of esteem. And and how do you how do you avoid it? How how can you know? And um, and I'm gonna maybe do one of these podcasts on on be careful for nothing. I think I think I've spent my ministry. Then I'm again I'm getting ahead of myself, but I haven't written any notes in this. But I'm gonna probably take some time on it. I think I've tried desperately to be careful to make good choices. And you know what I found out? You'll still get in trouble because you've got an enemy. You got a devil out there. And uh, no matter how careful you you try to be, no matter how uh, careful in getting counselors and getting people to advise you. Uh, there's still an enemy and he's wicked. And so anyway, back to Judas. You might hear that on another one of these podcasts. But uh, number one, you'll find him on the inside. Number two, you'll find him in a position of, of esteem. Number three, um, you'll find him walking with leadership. You'll find him walking with leadership. Um, Judas doesn't try to be on the outside. He wants to be on the inside. David had a Judas in uh, his son Absalom. And um, Absalom was not only on the inside, he was not only in a position of esteem. Absalom was there walking. He was there with David. He was with Joab and Abishai. He was in that upper level, that that, uh, leadership team. He would have been at the dinner table as the men gathered to make plans for battle. And uh, you will find Judas, Judas doesn't look for that good, solid position out in the field far away. Uh, he's, he's working his way close to the leader. And again, this is, um, you might say, well, how do we stop? I don't have an answer to any of this. I'm just telling you this is what, this is what Jesus did. This is what Jesus faced. And Jesus lived a perfect life. Jesus treated every single person perfectly. Jesus answered every question perfectly. Jesus got up every morning with a perfect spirit. He went to bed every night with a perfect uh, spirit. His his meditations in the night were perfect and holy. His response to the poor or to the rich was perfect in every way. And yet Judas was there on the inside. Um, 
in a position of esteem. And he walked, of course, with leadership. You found him at that table there in John chapter 13, the Last Supper, with the disciples. He was there among the leaders. And then lastly, number four, you find deadly decisions being made for gain by Judas. You'll find Judas will kill himself by seeking gain. And when a decision is being made for money, um, it is going to be a deadly decision. It's very, very dangerous when we start making our choices strictly on money. And someone will try to get a more noble cause wrapped up in it. But if it, if in the bot, if if there was no money involved, they wouldn't have done it. Then I don't care how noble they want to talk. It's a money decision. And if there was nothing to gain by it, they wouldn't do this. And I'd say, well, if there's no money in it at all, like like here, pastoring. Um, if our church couldn't pay me and they would keep me as pastor, I would be honored to stay as the pastor. Uh, I'd, I'd go find a job somewhere. I'm, I'm old and I'm not very skilled, but I, I think I'm okay with people and I might be able to get a job at a Lowe's or a, I don't know, some place where where uh, maybe I could be a hospital chap and I don't think they pay very much, but I'd have to go find a job somewhere. But um, I would be honored to keep my, my position as pastor without a paycheck if that were the circumstances. Um, I love what I do. I do it for I do it for God, for people, because this is, uh, I believe it's worthy of every breath I breathe. And um, and my wife and I have lived for this thing. Now, I'm not saying we've been as good as we should have been, perfect in all of our decisions or wise in all of our uh, actions, but I know this, we love the people of this church. And we've never one time in these 40 years intentionally um, gone out of the way for greed or selfishness or to hurt anybody. Um, we, uh, we love this place and we love the ministry of the gospel. And if God moved me somewhere else, I'd love the ministry of the gospel there. It's, it's who I serve, the King of Kings. That's what makes it special. It's who I serve with. It's the people of God. And that's what makes it special. And uh, between serving God and serving with the people of God, I, I think I, I've been in other countries. I think I could do it in the Philippines. In, in Mexico would be harder. I'd have to learn their language. Um, I've, I've been in Australia and New Zealand, very difficult places to minister, Canada. Uh, those, it's funny that our Bible and much of our faith came from England. <clears throat> and yet these nations colonized or uh, who, who grew up affiliated with England, including England, I, I think England, Scotland, Wales, Ireland, I think they're all very difficult to reach. And, uh, but I, I think I could go there and, and uh, love the people of God. Maybe, maybe it would be slower, maybe it would be more difficult but I love what I do. But um, back to Judas, you'll find the Judas and they'll be making a decision based on money. <clears throat> they'll be motivated by gain. You know, you know, so those disciples, it was Judas who carried the money. Now the money that he carried, that was money they used for their personal needs um, <clears throat> to feed and care for the, 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 the Savior and the disciples. It was also the money they gave to the poor. And so Judas had that bag isn't it interesting, of the 12 apostles, it was Judas who had it. You know, any one of them could have had it. But see, the 11 sincere ones didn't care. They, when, you, when you have a sincere heart for God, you don't care who has the money. And uh, you're not going to grapple for the uh, power or the, uh, the prestige. I'm the one who carries the money for the Savior. Oh, those guys didn't care. They wanted to preach. They wanted to teach. They wanted to pray. They wanted to help people. They wanted to be near to Jesus. That, they were there for Jesus, not for the cash. Judas was there totally different. Um, so 
um, this familiar friend that let the Savior down, number one, you found him on the inside. Number two, you find him in a position of esteem. Number three, you find him walking with leadership. And number four, you find him making deadly decisions on the base of money. And again, um, those people who are making decisions on the base of money, it's, it's not going to help them. It's going to hurt them. It'll kill them. It killed Judas. Had Judas not wanted that money, those 30 pieces of silver, he might not have hung himself. Now, once he betrayed the Lord, uh, he, he wouldn't have betrayed the Lord if it hadn't been for the money. And uh, so many people's actions, you know, in, in an estate, oh, I want to encourage you, have some kind of a legal estate. If you're single um, and you don't have a thing, fine, don't have an estate. But if you've got single or married, whatever, if you've got much of anything, uh, have something legal set up that would um, that would determine what was going to happen to your stuff. Find someone you trust to be the executor. The executor is the person who makes sure that what you wrote down happens. You say, I had an attorney draw this up. That's fine, but the attorney's not the executor. <clears throat> the attorney will be an advisor. But the attorney doesn't have any legal authority over bank accounts or to sign titles of properties or any of those kind of things. And so it's very important that you have somebody who would you know, have a, something legal, some legal documents, and then that you would have an executor you trust. Oh, the the grief that is uh, that I've seen in these years over people's estates and some people that don't have very much. And yet there are people, they will sell their soul to get a chunk of dad or mom or siblings estate. And oh, what a, what a tragic thing because it's, it's, uh, they're motivated by money and see, it's not even, it's not good for everybody. Uh, no one, no one's helped in these things and such a, such a, and I also recommend, I'm not sure this is right, but I recommend when you get an estate or a trust or a, a uh, living trust or a will or whatever it is, whatever legal documents you want to use. When you get those done, documents you want to use, I got interrupted here. Um, whatever, uh, however you want to set up your trust, uh, get a good executor, someone that you trust. And then I think you ought to communicate to everybody that's involved and um, kids, neighbors, whoever, I don't know. Um, and that isn't that won't eliminate evil because we just said, uh, the Judas will be on the inside. You'll find him in a position of esteem. He'll be walking with leadership, and he's going to make his decisions on the basis of gain. So anyway, hey, just let's do right. Love God. Let the chips fall where they will. And uh, may we may we walk like the Savior walked, loving people, standing up for right, doing right. Hey, I went a little long today. I uh, hope you had a great day. Hope you have a great day if you're listening to this in the morning. I love you that go to our church. Thank you for your friendship and faithfulness. God bless you. And uh, Lord willing, we'll meet up at church or uh, on another one of these podcasts.